How are we doing? Excellent. It's good to see you all. So glad to see families here for the weekend. See Tim back here, our uh, a distinguished alumni, right? <laughs> like that sword. Uh, it's great to see you, man. Um, it's just really, really glad and encouraged to be able to start the week with you all here. Um, and I hope you all are well, students. What week are we going into? Week six, right? Week six. That's insanity. So um, it's moving fast, but we've been just praying for all of you as this time is going through, um, just that that would be a a time of peace. Um, It would be a time of uh, balance and focus, and also just know that, you know, our staff are here for any of you. Um, if you need to talk, pray, vent, scream, whatever, <laughs> whatever needs to happen, um, we, we're, here, we're here for all of you. So um, next Sunday, this is just a reminder, next Sunday we do not meet here um, because of fall retreat. Um, we, all our staff are gone, a lot of students are gone, so next week um, we would love for you to go to fall retreat. Um, if you're looking for a place to be next week and you can't go to fall retreat, talk to us and we can point you in the right direction. Um, hopefully. Um, but we'd love for you to join us in that. And I know Brett talked about it, but um, if if finances are an issue with fall retreat, um, we do have alumni who love to sponsor um, students to go. So if that's a problem, please talk to us or just let us know that um, because we, we don't want that to be a boundary. Um, and we have people who want to make sure that happens. Um, if time is a problem, you're like, man, I have homework. Just know uh, most of Saturday afternoon, is open like we create free time in there because we think maybe people need to do that maybe people need to sleep for six hours i don't know you know like whatever you need we're creating space in that so just know we we try to remove obstacles to like let people be a part of that so hopefully you can come um and uh yeah y'all y'all know the idea of of love languages is that something that's like familiar kind of out there you know it's the idea there's like there's these like five kind of ways that people um, both show and receive love. Um, it's, it's really intriguing. I think it's really a good thing to know about yourself, you know, um, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, um, receiving of gifts, and then physical touch, like being those kind of categories that fall into that. Um, and again, it's, it's like, I think it's a really good thing to know about yourself just in general. Like, how do I, how do I feel affection? How do I give affection? Uh, how can I, in the relationships that I have, whether it's like friendships or like romantic relationships, uh, married life, like whatever that is, it's helpful to know <clears throat> um, how we're prone to love others and how people around us need loved. Um, and this comes up in dating and marriage relationships a lot, but again, it's not constrained to that. And for me, I, I tend towards um, like active service is, is pretty strong for me. It comes easily to like serve people. It's like, oh, I see a need. I'm going to deal with that. Um, I'm going to take care of these things um, for really for the sake of other people, um, not so much because it needs to be done. Um, so doing things for people because I love them and then like physical touch. So like I hug my kids a lot. I pat their heads. I, I'll pat you, give you the, do the male ministry thing where I grab you by the shoulder and Hey, how's it going, dude? you know, um, like that kind of stuff that, that comes natural to me because of the physical touch way of loving people. Where this gets tricky uh, as my wife, Aaron's here in the middle here is she doesn't have the same love languages that I do at all. Like that's, I mean, we all have like some of them, but it's, 
they don't match up. Okay. So that gets tricky because, you know, like one of hers quality time, right? Um, so I can very easily like be in the kitchen doing dishes thinking, man, I'm like loving my wife really well today because I'm taking care of this. Um, and she's like on the couch, like, could he just sit down and just be with me? Right. Because we're not necessarily made the same way in that. Um, I like quality time together, but that isn't my natural state to function in. So we can easily find ourselves in a place where we're maybe not connecting there and where I'm actually doing things that don't really matter to her in the moment, right? Is that fair? Okay. Um, so we've been going through Micah, um, the book of Micah, and you can, you can turn there if you will. It's kind of um, go to halfway point and go a little bit farther forward. It's in the Minor Prophets. Um, if you use the Uversion app, um, we do have notes um, there that you can take care of. Hey, Nico, can you turn me down just a smidge? Um, uh, and what we've been looking at here is not to give the whole history all over again, but Israel in a lot of ways, it's like people of God. They're meant to be in this place where they're like, set to be a blessing to the world and this like image of who God is to the world and things have not gone well. There's been like rebellion against that. Um, covenant has been broken over and over and over again by uh, just them going after like the idols of other countries around them, um, them kind of starting to seek power instead of being a blessing. They're like, like grabbing power for themselves. Um, there's injustices that are going on that get called out a lot. And just we're seeing this like them, the people of God not acting as the people of God is basically what's happened. And so there is a, uh, Micah's got this call of like, hey, you committed to all these things. And there were these warnings that were said, like if this covenant is not upheld, God's going to kind of remove himself from the situation. Bad things are going to happen. So really war is coming and it's not a war they can win without God's help. Um, so there's this warning that's been, being given of like, hey, God sees this wickedness, but there's still hope out there that you could change your ways and like come back to this place and God is still giving this. Or if this does happen, if this exile happens, there's still a promise of hope that, that God has for his people. So that's the kind of things we've been seeing through here. Um, and then pointing to like, uh, you know, once again, Jerusalem's going to be this place where like the message of good news comes from. And also these things of, of like, there's going to be this person who comes and fixes things kind of pointing. We can look backwards through Jesus and see, oh, like this is how this was fulfilled. Um, but we're, we're dipping into My Micah 6 today and like the first kind of half of it. Um, and we see this kind of thing once more. God, God's desiring for his people to love him and to experience his love and for them and, and us, okay, as the people of God, to live in a way that's a reaction to his greatness and mercy, um, to react to that properly. Um, what has been happening, though, is that, you know, like I said, much of what God has called his people to, to be has been ignored while they've attempted to keep checking boxes of worship and of ritual in the midst of that, um, that just fall flat. So Micah does this back and forth argument in this section. It's kind of interesting to look at. Um, so let's read this here with some emphasis added by me, okay? We start this 
with a statement from God in Micah 6.1. Hear now what the Lord is saying. Arise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Listen, you mountains, to the indictment by the Lord, the accusation of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, because the Lord has a case against his people, and he will dispute with Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak king of Moab planned and what Balaam son of Beor answered him and what happened from Siddim to Gilgal so that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. And then there's this response as if from the people. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings and with yearling calves? Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give him my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then there's a reply. He has told you, mortal one, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, let's pray as we jump into that. Um, Lord, firstly, I just want to just pray um, just over these students as they go into the rest of the semester. Um, Jesus, that you would be leading them, uh, guiding them in that, that you would um, help them to have the um, like endurance um, as they, they move into kind of the middle part of the semester. Help them to have specific time oriented towards you um, and Lord that you would just just be very evident um, in their lives um, God thank you that you go with us that you promise your closeness to us and uh, that you lead us in that way and Jesus I I just thank you that you um, that your grace is how Paul says sufficient for us um, that your grace is covering of our sin and giving of life to us. Um, thank you for that gift. Um, and I just pray that we would not go through motions of worship before you, um, but we would love you in the way that you desire in these ways of seeking justice and loving mercy and walking humbly. Um, so help us to understand that a little better today, but most of all, help us to put it into practice and to live it out. Um, yeah, we love you, Jesus. Just give you this time. Amen. Um, a few weeks back, something that challenged me uh, and I kind of challenged us and the, the time that we had here was to enter into the cycle of trust was kind of the, the word, the, the phrase that I used there. And the idea was to, to like pay attention to the ways that God has both, um, really it's about remembering. The beginning of that is remembering. Um, it's like paying attention to the things that God said about himself and his word or the things that we see about his character and his attributes, um, what we know through the scriptures, but also like how have we seen God show up maybe in our lives or how have we seen God show up in like the people, other people's lives that we've seen those things happen and to remember like, okay, this is, 
this is the Lord that we follow. This is how he is. This is what he does and how he shows up in people's lives and works. Um, and to remember that as we step into places of trust where it's like, I, I don't know about this, but I'm going to be obedient. I, I don't know about this, but I'm going to like do what I know the Lord has asked of me kind of thing. And we kind of, that's a trust step at that moment of like, maybe I don't know personally, but I know what God said. I know what I've seen and I'm going to, I'm going to take this step. Okay. Um, and when we get into that and we can see how then God, God moves in our lives. Those are things that we continue to remember and can recall. Um, and that helps us as we continue to hold on, um, and continue to do what God has called us to do. It's this like snowball effect of trusting the things that God has done, acting in faith, and then remembering again how he's worked as we continue to act in faith. Um, and it's about intentionality. Micah's words here from the Lord begin here as a reminder in that way. He's like reminding them to step out into the cycle of trust, to come back to the cycle of trust. Um, there, there is an accusation there's this indictment from the Lord, but most of all, he's pointing out what he has done to remind them. It's like they've stepped away in these ways. They're following after idols. They're, they're um, like using each other, you know, and um, in this in unjust ways. And he's like, you were, you were enslaved. I brought you out. I gave you freedom. I gave you these leaders to guide you and to teach you my ways, all of these things. Like how he asked this question of like, how have I wearied you through that? Um, and also there's this like thing that may not be super familiar where this King tries to have Israel cursed and God flips it into a blessing, which I find very interesting that God uses that in that moment. And it may require a bit of explanation. Numbers 22, anybody super familiar with Numbers 22? No? Okay. That's fine. Um, but you should read it. Um, the, uh, you know, the people of Israel have been brought out of slavery. They're traveling. They're about to enter into this land that's been promised to them. And this king of Moab is like, I don't like this. This is not good. So he hires this guy who's some kind of like seer or oracle named Balaam, um, who, who has the ear of God. And he's like, Hey, I want you to come and I want you to like, look over these people and I want you to curse them for me. And there's this whole thing and you can read about that, but eventually Balaam comes and he stands before that. And the, the word God gives him is not a curse, but it's all this blessing over the people. And the king gets angry and he's like, no, 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 no. Maybe come over here. These people, maybe you can curse the, just a little piece of these people. And Balaam does it, and God gives him another blessing. And it happens again. And then Balaam's like, I think I got the idea. And then he just blesses the people a fourth time. And there's this whole situation that God is pointing back to of like, I brought you out of slavery into freedom. I gave you the way and taught you these things and gave you leadership to show you this. And then when there was supposed to be cursing, I turned it into blessing but now you're walking away from this. Like, what is, what is the deal with this? He reminds them that his heart about them, once again, I've said this over and over and over again, but it's about restoration, rescue, liberation, and hope. That his heart for his people, his heart for people is that. For rescue, restoration, liberation, and hope. 
but somewhere along the line they'd forgotten. And the question, you know, is like, have we forgotten? Is there a forgetting that we have had in our lives? Is there something, is this something that we have dealt with as well, that we have forgotten the heart of God? So just think about that. Um, but then there's this question that's asked, like, what does God want from us when the, the, there's this kind of rebuttal to God? He's like, hey, this is my heart for you. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? What does God want from us? Um, this questioning in verses 6 and 7, I find challenging because I infer a bit of desperation and frustration in these words. Um, like, they're really asking, like, what, what do you want from me? That's the feeling I get. And I, I wonder if you have felt that before. God, what do you want from me? Or maybe you're in the midst of that right now. I don't know. In, in this situation that Micah is addressing, the questions are problematic because they escalate quickly. And we can see this from the outside, not in the midst of it. But they're escalating quickly and they become more and more incorrect in what they're thinking. Um, you know, first is asked, shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? And it's a fair question because God, like I just started reading Leviticus in my yearly reading. God is, is talking about these things, about these, these sacrifices that are made. Um, he did allow for the making of sacrifices for various reasons, for cleansing from sin, as an act of thankfulness, all these things. And they were part of the temple worship. But it never was about currying God's favor. It never was about like, oh, God will love me if I do this. It was about sin and it was about thankfulness and gratitude god's heart was already for his people and then the question in verse 7 is does the lord take pleasure in thousands of ram and ten thousand rivers of oil it's like well is there any way if i can give enough of these things will he be okay will he will he have will he be pleased with me if i just like sacrifice all these things and we've escalated at this point god never asked for this um, looking back, I think onto Solomon particularly, there, there's this point in 1 Kings where Solomon dedicates the temple to God, and it talks about all these sacrifices that Solomon makes as this like act of worship and generosity and, and giving in that. But again, he wasn't trying to win God's love, but that was an act of gratitude for what God had done. God had established the people, and there was this, like, this place of like, God is with us, and Solomon reacted to that in these sacrifices. It wasn't about buying off God's pleasure there at that point. It was about gratitude and trust in God who had established them. Finally, the question's asked, shall I give him my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? This has gotten out of hand at this point. Never did God ask for that. Never. We can look back at Abraham and Isaac, in that one moment where God does this test. But even in that, God, God, you know, something we miss, I think, in that sometimes is way before that, God had promised, like, through Isaac, this is going to be established. And then the sacrifice was made. And we can look at, you know, Hebrews 11 looks back at it. And he's like, by faith, the, the writer there is like, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And the one who had received the promises was offering up his only son. It was he whom was said, through Isaac your descendants shall be named. He considered God was able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back. 
So there was this point of like, even God asked that, but it wasn't like, oh, sacrifice to me. And there was this test that Abraham was like, God's going to do something through this and I'm going to trust and it's going to be horrendous. And God showed up and provided the ram instead. It never was an act of like atonement or getting God's pleasure back. This was actually, you know, this question that they're asking is actually pulling from these religions around them that they've been, been kind of uh, toying with who actually did do child sacrifice, who actually did do human sacrifice. This is a place of desperation that they were in. Things have gone very, very wrong, and this question comes barreling out. God, what do you want from me? And I think we ask that sometimes. What do you want from me? But he answers that in a few ways. And I want to look at that last question again. Shall I give him my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Asking God that. And looking back in hindsight, the answer to that from God is, no, but I will give mine. I will give mine. Familiar verse? that wraps it up real well. John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. There's, there's a foreshadowing at this moment of people asking, like, do I need to like sacrifice my kid? Like They're literally asking that right here to get your favor back? God's like, no, I'm taking care of this. God's heart for his people involves restoration, rescue, liberation, and hope. And the culmination of this comes when Jesus comes in the flesh. He lives, he dies, he's risen again for humanity. God saves his people. And the answer that he gives for us to hold on to as his people is a response of work of working love rooted in grace. If God gives us hope, our response is active and it looks like this. He's told you, O mortal one, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? These are not like do these things in order to be saved. That's not what is being said here. This is a reaction to that saving grace of God. Of God's grace in our lives, the reaction is justice and mercy in humble obedience. God calls his people to do justice. Um, We talked about last week, if you were here, we talked about mishpat, um, this idea of it's not just a verdict that's laid down by a judge, but it's also this active fixing of the problem. Uh, It's not just like, okay, you're now sentenced to prison. It's we're going to deal with this and correct what's wrong, make things the way they ought to be. to not turn a blind eye to the needs and injustices that surround us, to live with compassion daily. Um, we are called to leave the world better than we found it in our places of influence. That's that mishpat working out in us, that justice, seeking justice in the world. He calls his people to love kindness also, or your translation may say mercy, um, to love that. Um, it's this Hebrew word which Ben actually hit on um, Wednesday, um, hased. It's faithful, loyal, merciful kindness, this 
This is a, a word that we use for God. This is his mercy for us. The Lord, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Like this is his said working out in that way. And we're called in the same way to practice that in our lives. Not, not, not even as like, uh, this is a, I've checked off my mercy for today. It is a, like, this is part of us. It's part of the spirit working in us. Justice in mercy has said like mishpat is this attribute of God that he calls his people to show as well. And finally, he calls us to live in obedience, uh, humbly, humble obedience and faithful um, obedience to the Lord, to walk humbly with God. Seek justice, love mercy, to walk humbly. And that this is what the Lord wants from his people for justice and mercy and humility to honestly be part of our DNA. Like that's something that's just a part of us, not like this. And it does take work. Um, one of the things we have talked about on, I don't remember the exact quote now, but it's this idea we've talked about with the fruit of the spirit on Wednesdays is there is this like two hands coming together of, of like we have some responsibility and the Holy Spirit works it in us at the same time. We create the space and the Holy Spirit does this through us. These things coming together, we see the fruit come out of us. Um, it's the same way with justice and mercy and humility. We have a posture towards God in that way and he works it through us as well. He's calling Israel back here. God is and us here in Micah 6 out of misconceptions, out of injustices, out of sin. He's reminding them that they have a purpose and that the purpose is to be God's blessing to the world and to point to him and to show him for who he is. And we still have that call as the people of God to do those things. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we're saved by his grace, like that is a thing that's part of our lives should be. There's a point in the book of Matthew where Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day, some, some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees specifically, um, and the scribes that work with them, um, basically the religious folk. And it seems that things have gone amiss again at that point. As you read through the Gospels, some things just aren't quite right with the way that things are happening. And we're not immune to that either. We have to be aware of that too. But Jesus says this to the religious leaders in Matthew 23, 23. It's kind of a series of woes, which gets real depressing, but he's like, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, someone who wears a mask. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. There's this point of like, I don't know if any of you deal with garden herbs. I don't really. It always dies every time we get it. But they're tithing, like they're, they're harvesting and saying 10% of this like cumin that is like a tablespoon, you know, is going to the temple and being very, very accurate and precise and legalistic about that while walking past people who are in need while perpetrating injustices against other people while sinning in ways that I don't even know 
and not not confessing that, not, you know, repenting of that. Jesus is like, no, this, what you're doing is fine, but there's this other stuff as well. There's justice and mercy and faithfulness. And it's a look back on here to Micah. What, what has he told us to do to seek justice, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? And that's that thing of kind of going back to like the love languages at the beginning this idea of sometimes we have this in our head about like this is what God wants. We're checking the boxes, but we don't want to forget these other aspects that he's called us to. So I have a few prayers for us. The first is that if you're in a place where you're unsure, ask God what he wants from you. A thing that may be random, but I take from this is God shows up in our questions He's, he's big enough to handle it. He's big enough to handle our emotions, our anger, our frustration. If you're in that place of unsurety, uncertainty, speak to him. Ask him some hard questions. But also remember the things that he says about himself and the things that you've witnessed in regards to his own faithfulness in our lives and people's lives. He, he's faithful he is good. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, and he still likes us. He's near. He wants his people to be a people of hope and peace. These are things we know about God. There's more. Um, and if you're in that place of questioning, I just ask you to reflect on those things, to enter into that cycle of trust and to, to start it, and to pray and ask God to make those things real in your life. Um, he's plenty big enough to handle our needs. Um, the other prayer that I have is that we would, you know, this whole point of that it comes down to is that we would be a people who seek justice, who love mercy, who walk humbly. That's, that is the call today in this. And like thinking in your life, like where in my circle of influence do I need to seek to right things that are wrong? Where in my circle of interest, of, of influence, can I show grace and mercy and forgiveness to people um, to give someone the time of day who no one else does to, to be in those places? And then like, where, where maybe could I be more faithful? Where can I be more obedient to God in those things? That's, that's the call of today. Um, how can we respond to the grace of God and our campus and our world would be radically changed if we responded to that grace of God in those ways. And that's my hope and prayer as we go from today. Well, let's pray together. Um, Christ, we love you. We praise you. And I, I just doubly pray that today, that challenge that you would meet us in our questioning if, if we are in a place where I'm just not sure if there's like places of like, God, where are you? God, what do you want? God, speak. Um, Lord, that you would. Um, that you would challenge us, that you would draw near. You, you promised that when we draw near, you, you draw near to us. And I just pray that you, you would answer those questions. Um, in very real and tangible ways for people.
um, but also just make us a people of justice and mercy and humility. Um, help us to go through the, um, maybe even the like growing pains that happen with that if we're not used to it. Um, I think we all probably can grow in that way. I know we can. And even though that can be hard and difficult and even painful at times, I just pray that you would help us to, to be a people who point to you because we are walking and because our, our spiritual DNA is just made up of justice and mercy and humble obedience to you. So help us in that. Just ask for your guidance and your movement in our lives. And again, I just pray just a blessing over these students as they go into future weeks of the semester. Um, we love you, Jesus. And we thank you um, here as we celebrate uh, your, your sacrifice for us. Amen.